It's time for the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. Welcome back to the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network, hosted by yours truly, the legendary Savak, and I am joined by my co-host, Brian Byrne. How you doing, Brian? Savak, I'm great. It's uh, awesome to be here on a Saturday afternoon. We have a very special guest. I'm not going to give it away quite yet, but he's one of my top two ever uh, favorite Miami Dolphin wide receivers, so uh, I'll let you introduce him. Of course, we are joined by a very special guest, Miami Dolphins legendary wide receiver. If you guys re- remember, we, uh, we recently did this discussion. We had the top five receivers. I had him on there. He is my personal favorite, mm-hmm. number four all-time in Dolphin history, receiving yards and touchdowns, Chris Chambers. Chris, how are you doing, man? Doing fine, man. Uh, I thank you for the inf- info and uh appreciate everything you guys have done to support, man. You guys look great. Your, your background looks awesome with all those jerseys and, and Miami Dolphin paraphernalia. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to speak with, with people who support and, you know, stay close to the team. Oh, that's awesome. I got to say, it's kind of surreal, man. You know, you, I remember playing NFL Street 2 as a kid, and you were, you were straight cheat code, man. It was incredible. <laughs> That's, that's cool to hear because, uh, yeah, I haven't played, like, Madden and those type of games in so long, like, almost since I was in college, like, almost, like, 90-something. Uh, so it's funny to see how the kids react. And, and then to see all, like, the Madden grades, I was able to uh, uh, find my Madden grade. So I had, like, a 91 or something like that. And I had posted it, and the kids were like, what, you were a 91? You were in the 90s? So, <laughs> you know, it was pretty cool to kind of relive that. And, you know, with social media now, you know, we're able to kind of tell our stories a little bit more and, you know, get back to some of the history of the NFL and especially the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely. It is a great way to bring up former players and stuff. And, yep. oh, man. So if you wouldn't mind running us through, I know we were chatting a little bit about it yep. before we started recording, but if you want to take, take the time to tell our listeners what you've been up to and what you're currently working on. Yeah, so, you know, soon I was done. Um, I actually left the, left the game with a, a season ending, a career-ending injury. Uh, I had an arthritic hip. Um, I wasn't able to play. I was with Kansas City at the time, and uh, I was hoping to end with the Dolphins, but, you know, that didn't work out. They did have a chance to get me back then uh, for another run. Uh, maybe something to talk, talk about a little later. But, you know, after that stint, I jumped right into sports performance. Um, I opened up my own performance training facility called The Chamber for several years. I just literally jumped in head first. Uh, no business experience, no nothing. I just really love working with people. I love coaching. I love mentoring. Uh, so just to be around the athletes and provide that type of training and mentorship is something that I've been doing, you know, ever since. And, uh, you know, currently now I'm with a company called Barwis, Barwis Performance Center of South Florida, uh, which is have the largest training facility in Florida, almost 60,000 square feet. Uh, we work with everybody from paraplegic people who can't walk to guys like Jarvis Landry, who you guys know a lot about. 
uh, all up under one roof. Um, and, you know, we have a 50-yard turf. We got the most turf in South Florida besides the Dolphins bubble. So it's just a great, great place to be. It's a place where I'm able to, like, reapply some of the stuff I learned in the industry. And then, you know, uh, continue to be an athlete, I would say an athlete influencer um, and a mentor. And, you know, I do some admin stuff. I get a chance to coach. So I get a chance to do a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Uh, and I enjoy, enjoy what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully – at some point I can, you know, elevate myself to, you know, possibly becoming a, a coach or a head coach or, you know, an athletic director or GM. You never know. You never know. I have lofty, lofty goals. Uh, but right now this is what I'm doing and, uh, and I absolutely love it. Awesome. So, Chris, in, two, in 2001, the Miami Dolphins selected you in the second round, uh, 52nd overall. Uh, can you tell us a little about what, what that night was like for you and how that draft, your draft process went for you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great process. Uh, I can go back into college when I was starting to have some of the coaches come see me uh, work out. They were watching film and stuff like that. And I will never forget, you know, Marty Schottheimer, um, you know, a coach that, you know, I well-respected in the NFL. Um, you know, I grew up in Cleveland. So, you know, you know, seeing him with the Cleveland Browns. And he actually came to visit me. And we watched two games. Uh, we watched a game I played versus Iowa and another one, I think, Purdue. Uh, both games, I had like over 200 some yards. I had like 15 some catches, probably like total like 400 yards in two games, fellas. And uh, I was, I was like, um, I, I, hold on one second. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm looking for the baseball. You know, this way. Yeah, right out the door, and then make a right. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. So back in college, um, I had Marty Scharnheimer visit me, and we watched two games. You know, one game I had uh, 197 yards, and the other game I had maybe 215 probably two of the, the highest totals I ever had. And um, when he was watching the film, you know, he kept saying that, you know, I look like Tim Brown. And he just kept saying, it's like, oh, he's laughing to himself and all type of stuff. So I'm like, man, you know what? This dude think I'm Tim Brown. I'm going, I'm going to watch the number 15 pick. Uh, he, he said he was going to pick, you know, three receivers uh, he was looking at. There were similar, similar traits to me. A uh, guy named Rod Gardner, who y'all might know, I think he, he that's the, actually the person they picked, uh, Rod Gardner in, in Washington. They ended up taking a stab on him. So, you know, that's how everything got started. Um, you know, I, I did my combine. I did my pro day, um, you know, and, you know, at that time, you know, Mel Kuyper had me 21 overall, uh, which is outstanding. Um, so, you know, knowing going into my, my draft party, knowing that I may be off the board in the first round, was great, but you know during that time we had a lot of receivers coming out. Some of the, some of you guys' favorite players, you know Chad Ochocinco, uh, Rod Gardner himself. You know you had uh, Santana Moss, you had Reggie Wayne, you had I mean you had a slew of receiver. I think one of the best receiver drafts that we, we started looking back at some of these. You know Steve Smith, T.J. Hoosmanzada. I mean I can I can name them all. You know some of the guys didn't fare too well. Some of the early guys like David Terrell and you know some of the other guys, Corn Robinson. Uh, I know them all because they got picked before me, <laughs> so uh, I got a chance to follow their career a little bit. But you know, I uh, you know during that time, uh, Dolphins did call me in the first round, and uh, they ended up taking Jamar Fletcher, uh, who was my teammate. So you know that kind of started things up, and then I fell into the second round there, and I was on the phone with New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans was going to pick me. They had like you know one or two picks after the Dolphins, so the Dolphins ended up trading up. Uh, they grabbed me, you know, with the 52nd pick, and it was kind of all she wrote from there, and. Uh, I was just so happy, man. It was it was a long time. The draft obviously went way longer during that time. So you're talking about hours upon hours, you know, waiting to get picked and then send your name up first. Uh, but then the feeling just to be picked is just unbelievable, knowing that you have a chance to play in the NFL. Got a chance to jump on the plane next day and uh, head to Miami where I, where I couldn't breathe, 
once I got off the plane. <laughs> you know, in Wisconsin so long, it was so humid. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then they just kind of went from there, man. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the guys from just picking me up. I think Rick Spielman may have been the GM at the time. Uh, Day said was the coach at the time. And uh, they had a really good relationship with Barry Alvarez. So, you know, they were able to kind of work some things out, and it went well. You, you picked a scab there for me. I, I know he's probably your friend. He was your teammate. Yes. But that Jamar Fletcher pick in round one, it is the only time I've ever done physical damage to anything in reaction to a football. I threw my remote control. I wanted Drew Brees so bad. Uh. <laughs> so you you opened that wound. <laughs> oh man! Was, well, you know, Jamar was a really great player coming out of college. Um, at that time, the team had Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan. So to reach for a cornerback, uh, even though he was the you know he won the Thorpe, uh, you know it was all good. But there's something that we may not have needed. And you know, you guys been around. You know how these drafts make more for the Dolphins for years. You know they would just miss out on a guy or two. And then I'm starting to hear stories now that I'm older. You know, I get to see some of the coaches that are still in the league, and it's like, dude, don't you know in 2000 or whatever, we had a chance to get in Quan Bowen. Everybody was on board, and we ended up picking a linebacker or something like that. And they could not believe it. And, then, <laughs> and it's oh. like, you know, so we had our chances at Breeze, you know, Anquan Bowden. I mean, there's probably a plethora of other guys throughout the years, but they felt the Anquan Bowden pick would have helped me out because it would have brought another elite receiver to the, to the fans, and you never know from there. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do have one question. Do you think you could still run a 4-3? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, so I, uh, I thought about coming back with my hip injury in 2010. I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. And it just, it just didn't happen. I didn't have the explosiveness no more. You know, yeah, could I have been a possession receiver and you know, do some of those things. But I wasn't the same player. And uh, that's why I had to remove myself from the game. But a funny story is that, I met, uh, you know, Coach Flores and, um, you know, it's somewhere, not even at the facility. I kind of ran into each other. And the first thing this dude said is like, dude, can you still play? With a straight face. This is, I mean, I'm, like, I'm eight years out the league. I'm like, yo, this is a great coach. He is, he's looking up under every rock possible to find somebody to play. And uh, so I was, I was flattered by that, but I told Coach, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty much done at this point. So <laughs> I appreciate the honesty there. Right, right. See, Coach Flo sees sees the greatness. That's what he everybody's does. arguing with me about on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. You, you should have said no, him. but I can coach right now. So why don't, why don't you, you know, join, join I, staff? I work, I'm working on that. And um, I did have an internship with Gays a few years ago. But then obviously that whole coaching staff got dismantled. And then so now I, you know, I'm hoping to kind of get back over there. Because I do feel like I could add to the team in some kind of way, even if from a recruiting and scouting department or, you know, coming out there helping coach. But, you know, I want to get back to – uh, helping the team out and seeing what I can do to improve our, our status of where we at. Very cool. Awesome. So I, I do have to ask, of course, what was the hardest or the biggest transition from move or moving from college football at Wisconsin to playing in the NFL? Yeah, but you know, when Wisconsin, we were downhill. We were running the ball. We had Rod Dane in the backfield, uh, Michael Bennett. So, you know, the toughness of just blocking and then playing in the Big Ten, I mean, you're prepared for the NFL. You can, you can excel – you know, in some of these conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC, uh, very physical. Um, you know, back then, we really was toting the ball. The only team that was really throwing the ball spread out was Drew Brees and Purdue. They were they were the team that used to, like, throw the ball a lot. So we were a really ground game. But I tell you what, play action, you know, we were able to take it over the top uh, every single time. So once, so once I got to the league and I made a few plays, I'm like, dude, this is not – 
I'm not saying it's easy, <laughs> all right, but I was very prepared to go out there and play uh, at a high level. When you go play at Michigan with 100,000 fans or Penn State with 100-some thousand fans and, uh, and great teams, so, uh, and, you know, from, uh, and then you play in the North where it's absolutely cold as what. So, you know, to be able to go from the North and then play in the South, I just felt like I was prepared for anything uh, the NFL had for me. And then once I got in the end zone, uh, you know, my confidence kind of grew as the years went by. That wasn't even a brag because your, your numbers show that. Most rookies struggle their first year. You had 883 yards and seven touchdowns year one. So that yep. transition couldn't have been too hard for you. Uh, uh, was, but remember, guys, I had, uh, I had James McKnight. I had DJ Ward. I had Aronde Gaston, who you, I know you guys probably love, OG. Um, so I had a few guys that was in front of me. They kind of carried me a little bit. But then once got, one guy went out, I think Aronde got an in, in, uh, injury. And that enabled me to start uh, middle of the season. And that's when I played, started my first game and actually had my first two touchdowns, my first game I ever played. And, uh, you know, I kind of didn't look back from there. I got to I gotta bring this up, Chris. This is another sore spot for me. In hmm. 2002, the Dolphin team was stacked. You had six Pro Bowlers on defense, probably what will end up being two Hall of Famers on defense. We had three All-Pros. Ricky Williams led the NFL in rushing. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins didn't make the playoffs that year, which is very weird for a team with, with all that. Uh, in your opinion, what, what happened there? What went wrong? What held you guys back? Yeah, so that year, did we, did we finish 9-7? and 9-7, and seven, yep. Just yeah, missed the playoffs. We just missed the playoffs. Somebody had to win. Did somebody have to win for us to go to the playoffs? I think you had to beat New England last week of the season, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. We had to beat New England, and uh, the Browns had to beat the Broncos or something like that. So if we'd have beaten New England, we'd have won right out. But if the Browns had to beat the Broncos, we would have got in as well, the Browns and Broncos. Figure that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm from Cleveland, so you know there's some sore spots with that, with that for sure. Uh, but yeah, so in 2002, man, that's awesome defense. Um, I want to say North Turner was the offensive coordinator. Chan Gailey was the coordinator, and North, North Turner obviously was coming off of you know being one of the, the greatest offensive coordinators when he was with Dallas. Um, so you know, part of that plan was to bolster the offense some, obviously, because Dave Wanstead and the defense was pretty much set. Uh, for the for the most part, but you know, once again, we played a lot of games that were very close to the vest. Um, you know, uh, and I believe I want to say Jay Feeler, was Jay Feeler the quarterback then? Yeah, and Ray Lucas, I believe, played in five games, maybe he played four five games. games. Wow, four or five games that year. I, I didn't know that. I, I'm 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 wondering how he fared, but I know we always played so close games. Um, and sometimes some of them games that you lose early season kind of bite you. And, you know, we had an opportunity to, to play New England and win. And I don't even know, if, know if New England went to the playoffs that year or not. Um, they definitely knocked us off. But, you know, playing against Belichick during that time, I'll never forget it because we were beating them pretty good. Um, and they ended up coming back and winning that game. And, you know, and it was tough, man. I remember the guys when we got off that plane. Um, some of the, I was young. So some of the older guys were like, you know, hugging each other and, you know, crying and, because they felt like that this is the last time they're going to play with each other. Like guys like Brock Marion, uh, some other guys and stuff like that that had been around, that they knew they were going to be dismantled. And I didn't know the business then, you know, so they knew they were going dis to be dismantled after 2002, um, you know. So, you know, once again, you know, there were a few years like that that we, we were one game 
or two games away from making a serious run at, at the playoffs. Um, but that team was great, man. It was fun to play with a, a veteran team like that. That's, that defense was unbelievable. So going against them in practice every day, you know, definitely helped us out on offense. But we never really got going offensively to give us enough uh, to get us over the top, for sure. So a few years after that, then, you made the Pro Bowl. Yep. Hosting career highs in yards, receptions, touchdowns. What was different about that season for you? That season, I'm trying to think who was who was the quarterback. We had Gus Perot. <laughs> Gus Perot. Gus Perot had came in there. There we go. Gus Perot had gray hair for one thing. So he <laughs> had a whole head of gray. So do I. Yeah. So that that was just off top. You already know what that was doing. So uh, and then I think we might have had Scott Linehan as our offensive coordinator. Uh, which is a great, great one of the better, better offensive coordinators, especially back then when he was with Minnesota. Um, and, you know, 2005 was, was definitely a special year. It kind of all clicked for me. Um, you know, during, during my, my career, I was always getting better in every category. Uh, but for the Brewers that year, it was a little bit more stable. Even though we still we had a couple quarterbacks we had to go through, um, you know, I just started to, to, to make plays. Um, you know, year three for me, I had a pretty good year too, but then we lost, we lost another coordinator, which was, was Norv. We lost Norv and then, uh, 2005, I'm trying to think who was the coordinator that I think it was Scott Linehan. Do you guys remember? I know. I just know Saban was the head coach. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Was, was me and Saban, like, I was really okay with Saban. Um, you know, despite what anybody was saying about him, maybe because I was younger, um, you know, I paid more attention to him and his teaching and like his philosophy and stuff like that. And, you know, he said a few things to me because my season actually was a little bit of up and down early in that season. And, you know, he told me like, dude, you have to be the best player on the team. You, you have to play perfect in order for us to win games. And that resonated with me very, very strongly, especially knowing that you have a Jason Taylor and a Zach Thomas and all these different players on your team and your head coach is telling you that you have to be the best player on the team. So I took that to, uh, to, to my heart and I just started playing better. And I had a, I was always streaky, as you know, my career. So if I get going like early, if I make a ridiculous catch, or if I get going, if I score, you know, if they feed me, then I'm going to, I'm going to do well. But it, it's always been some games where I didn't get the ball early or, or wasn't enough of the emphasis and I played hard and I never really said anything. So I'm getting a little mad at myself for not speaking up sometimes and be like, yo, just give me the damn ball. Like, yo, <laughs> I just never really, I never was that type of person. I was the type of person to let the game come to myself and then I'll just kind of play or block very hard until I can, <laughs> until I can start making some plays in the passing game. But, um, you know, I was able to kind of put it all together and have my first Pro Bowl experience and uh, it, it was outstanding. And, and, and Saban was a big part of that. Very cool. And by the way, you, you did nail it actually. It was in fact, Scott Linehan well, as the OC that year. Yeah, and OCs make a difference. You know, he's coming playing with Randy Moss and uh, Chris Carter. And, uh, you know, he had a, a deep down the field kind of passing game, you know, which what I was used to with North Turner. I had some good years there. So the offense was very familiar with me. And then we had a running game to go with it. Before I have the, ask the question that I actually have written down and prepared, I, I got to ask you one off the cuff. Uh, 2003. Uh, so our next guest that we're going to have on after you, I think, believe next week is Ricky Williams. There and in two, 2003, he, uh, he walked away, as we all famously know. Yeah. Um, still have so much love for him. But how did that affect you personally, the team? You know, what were your thoughts on, on all of that? Yeah, you know, that was tough because Ricky Williams was a great player, man. The way he practiced, uh, the way he carried himself was outstanding. Uh, he was extremely intelligent. He's intelligent now. 
Uh, he was way ahead of his time. Obviously, we all know that now. And just the way he thought in the process, and he just got caught up in just a stupid situation that now is no situation. So uh, it, it's tough. But, you know, the way he, you know, every time he practiced, every time he carried the ball, he always went to the end zone. It don't matter if we were at the 10 or 20 or 30. He always scored and jogged back to the huddle. And literally, you play in the game, he would do the same thing. So he was the type of guy who would practice like a champion. He would go out and play like a champion. And to be able to have that. And once again, I played in Wisconsin. So I was used to, like, you know, having a big back and blocking for a guy and, you know, helping him spring, you know, down the field. Because I knew it was going to help the pass game, especially the play-action game that we had. And um, once again, he to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, it it's, uh, sucks the way, how, you know, some of the things uh, that went down. But he was able to kind of come back, you know, a couple years after that. And, uh, you know, and he was getting fed the ball, boys. He was getting fed the ball. Yeah. I mean, he had the most carries in NFL history. Man. I'm telling you, we used to give him that rock, man. And he handled his, handled his business. And he was an underrated pass catcher, too. You know, he was able to kind of catch some balls out the backfield. So. But to be able to play with a guy like that and then eventually Ronnie Brown, um, we had a nice little one-two punch for a second. And, and on, you know, in 2007, Miami Dolphin fans everywhere were heartbroken. Yeah. And you got shipped off to, to San Diego. Uh, what what led up to that move? What were your thoughts on that? How'd that go down? Uh, you know, it was very tough because uh, they released me on the day off. Uh, I did not see it coming. It was a it was a blindsider. Um, we played Cleveland Brown, Browns, I think, the, the week before. I had an okay game. It was kind of up and down. Um, that season, before that, before that season, I had got a, I had, uh, got a DUI. Um, it was back in July. I didn't get it. It ended up getting dropped, but the news had came out. It did, I had, uh, so I didn't know if it was like some like with my character <laughs> or something like that, because everybody who knows me know the type of person I was. Uh, but that was just an unfortunate situation before camp. And then the team, they, they, uh, they responded and they respected me and they understood and they supported me, which was great. Um, but I'm just kind of baffled, like what really happened or, you know, who who's the one to actually pull the trigger? I have no idea who thought that was a great idea. Uh, but you know, Cam Cameron was a coach during that time, and then maybe I didn't I didn't fit his mold. Remember, we had Ted Ginn Jr., who I was who I wanted us to get. You know, I don't know that might be one of your 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 guys that you that you might not want to pick up at the time. But he, listen, he's still in the NFL. Fourteen years later, believe it or not, so he did he did get better as a player, and I really wanted to work with him because I know him since high school and I know his family. Uh, and I think we could have been a really good pair. And then we had another guy named Derek Hagan, who they liked a lot, um, you know, but he didn't really pan out. So I didn't know if they thought the other guys can really step up to my, um, you know, my status. Um, and they, and they kind of fell short from that, or if they just wanted to reload the team, but I didn't feel like I was a player that you want to give away. I would have, I would have stayed on that team for my entire career and just kind of worked out. You know, if I had a, you know, not so good season, guess what? I'm coming back and have a better season the next year. I've always been that way. I've never went backwards, and I've always improved. So I'm still trying to figure that out too, man. Somebody's, I need some answers. Can we, can we, can we get that 20 years later? <laughs> well, well, we'll have to find Kim Cleland's uh, address. We'll send some hate mail, maybe get some answers. Uh, we'll, we'll blame him. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Cam. I think it was more Cam Cameron. Remember, he was in San Diego too. So he shipped yeah. me off to a team that he was already in. Obviously, North Turner was there. So there's no telling how those conversations went. Uh, he shipped off Wes Walker. I mean, you know, his record was not very good when it comes to like, uh, some of the players that, you know, he did have under his toolage. 
No, see, bad enough that the that, that they traded you, but to do it on your day off, come yeah. on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I feel it's, it's a Friday scary. reference coming in here. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was very upset. Um, you know, I boohooed, I cried. I didn't get a chance to say bye to anyone because um, we were off that day and everyone I walked up to, because you know, some of them people have been in the building for years as far as the staff and the, the equipment people. You know, I was just, I was a wreck, man, uh, to be honest with you. And then once it was kind of done, I left the facility, I grabbed all more things, I jumped on the plane to San Diego and it's, you know, I was like, man, you know what? I get to play with LT, I get to play with, with uh, Gate, <laughs> Phillip Rivers, like, well, I was like, you know what? This might be a great thing for my career. Gets me out of Miami a little bit. You know, Miami's fast, man. It's a fast life. To live there and play there is unbelievably hard. You know, people have no idea uh, to be at half South Beach and some of those distractions. People always coming down. Uh, it's very tough to be able to concentrate the entire season. I've seen guys come into the situation and get turned out, man, and be out of there the next second, you know. So I thought it was a good fresh air for myself to, to go to a new place and a new surrounding with a new team, and they welcomed me with open arms. Absolutely. So, as we mentioned previously, you are fourth in Dolphins history in receiving yards and touchdowns. But out of those, the top five receivers in terms of receiving yards, you are the only one that did not get the benefit of playing with Dan Marino. Yep. So, you actually had 10 different starting quarterbacks, multiple coaches, no C's. So, how different do you see the trajectory of your career if you had had more consistency? Yeah, I, I do feel like I, I could have been pretty close to a Hall of Fame career. Um, my numbers was good. I probably would have had an extra 20 touchdowns and an extra two, 3,000 yards, um, in my opinion. Because when I was with, when I did get with, and me and Jay, Jay uh, Feeler had a good rapport uh, early on, you know, but it was only two years. It was very short. And then after that, it was just a round robin of, of different co uh, quarterbacks. You know, Gus Farrar had a hell of an arm, though. He definitely had a hell of an arm. Sage Rosenfels had a, had a great arm. Then you got, you know, you got Feely. Yeah, some of the other guys, uh, and it, when you don't have that continuity, you know, it really messes things up year in and year out. You got to start over with a new quarterback. You got to start over with a new system. You got to learn a new system. North Turner's system itself take three years to learn, like literally take before he really, you really understand all his intricates of what he wants to get done. Um, so, you know, once I got with Phillip and I had a little bit of like North Turner's already system two years in there, I mean, I, I fit in like a puzzle. Soon I got there. Obviously, you have guys like Gates and them that have more targets. We had Vincent Jackson at the time. Uh, but my rapport from year one to year two with Phillip Rivers was great, man. And, you know, we were making plays all over the field. And I was like, dude, this is how I feel to have a, a real NFL starting quarterback. That And this was a young Phillip. Phillip's in the league. <laughs> so, yeah. young Phillip. And uh, we had developed that rapport. And that's when I felt like actually one of my best years was the year that I got uh, traded. Because um, I, I was able to start with, with the San Diego Chargers and do very well um, that entire season. So that does, of course, raise the question. Yep. Of those uh, 10 quarterbacks that you yep. played with in Miami, how many of them can you name? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> we already said Ray Lucas. We said Jay, we said Jay Feeler. We said A.J. Uh -huh. Feely. Uh, we said Sage Rosenfels. Uh, we said Gus Barat. We got Dante Culpepper. What number I'm on? Like six or seven? Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, or I'm losing. <laughs> I think you did pretty good. Oh, no, I, know that's good. I feel like I, I, I should know all, all of them uh, since I played with them. But um, I understand. <laughs> give, me, give, me my, give me my last three ones that I'm missing. Who am I missing? 
you uh, missed Brian Greasy, Brian Joey, Greasy. Joey Harrington, Joey Harrington, Trent Green, Cleo Lemon, and John Beck. Wow. Now, I didn't, now, me and Cleo probably never gave the game together. John Beck, I definitely, <laughs> I don't even know if he was in the field. Uh, he lasted a couple years after that. But uh, uh, Trent Green was great to play with. You know, he did great in Kansas City. I Man, he had a great mind. Brian Greasy, another guy. I mean, both of these guys are on TV now, so you know they have really big, you know, football IQ. But once again, we caught all these dudes at the last part of their career, um, you know, their last stops. And, you know, when you, when you do that, you never know what you're going to get. We got to bring it back. You take Drew Brees instead of Jamar Fletcher. You're in the Hall of Fame. Zach Thomas is in the Hall right of Fame. We ain't talking right now. <laughs> What's that? I said, we ain't even talking right now. <laughs> you had so many Hall of Famers from that team, if that would have gone down. Yeah. Uh, but um, So let's transition over to the current team just to finish up here. Uh, ask you a few questions about what, what do you think of the current group? Um, what are your thoughts on the current wide receiver group in Miami? Mainly, you know, the main guys right now are Preston Williams, Devontae Parker. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Have you had to gotten a chance to work with either of those guys or any of the other new additions? Yeah, you know what? I, a few years ago, I got a chance to work with Parker some, uh, Kenny Steele's, uh, Jarvis Landry. I actually trained Jarvis Landry now. Um, so we still kept our relationship. You're a great player, great person, man. Can you uh, bring him uh, back to Miami? I, I don't know <laughs> if he wants to come back. You know, maybe he, I mean, he, he left, you know, no, no bridges burned with the fans. You know, I think everybody absolutely loved him. You know, he has a home, he has a home here. Uh, so you never know what that's going to be about, but you know, Devonte Parker obviously is, is the main guy this year. Um, when we, when we were trying to get together, he was a lot younger. So he may not have understood what I w I wanted to do with him or how I wanted to help him. Uh, we ended we ended up getting into a Twitter beef that I had no idea about. Uh, you know, somebody's like, "Hey man, what, what's going on when you with Devontae?" I'm like, "What are y'all talking about?" And then somebody was saying, "Well, he said he don't want no help from you." And I'm like, "I was just really trying to help him from a physical standpoint. If he needs help, like need to know some doctors or know some massage therapists or you know know people to kind of help him stay healthy because that was the problem with him early on. It was really his health. And sometimes you got to find you got to try a bunch of people out to see what kind of routine you need to have." So I wanted to bring that type of uh, mentorship to him. Um, but, you know, recently we kind of got back together and kind of uh, kind of talked about that. And, uh, you know, he, he's a lot older now. Uh, I thought he was a f just phenomenal football player as far as his, his radius, his catch radius is awesome. Um, you know, he's starting to get some confidence now. He, he had a great season last year. Uh, I'm glad the Dolphins kind of stuck with him because they could have gave up on him. Uh, but they didn't. They stuck with him, man. And now he's flourishing a little bit. You know, as far as the other guys, you know, Preston Wilson just – uh, Williams, you know, he just came on the team. He had a great, uh, really good uh, beginning of the season. Um, he showed some great flashes in camp. You know, it's kind of hard to, you know, keep up with these guys now because we, we have no preseason. We have no practice. We have, have absolutely nothing. Know what's going to go on with this crew. Um, you have Jakeem Grant, you know, who got hurt last year that, you you know, could be an ultimate slot receiver. He has a lot of toughness. He has a lot of speed. Uh, he could take the top off of, of any uh, coverage, you know. So to be able to kind of use those guys, you know, you know, everyone else I don't know exactly about. I feel like we are missing maybe a guy or two, uh, to be honest with you. I did like Kenny Steele's. Uh, he was a really good player. He was very consistent uh, for the team, you know, but, you know, he also had some other things outside of football that, you know, he wanted to deal with, and it just didn't fit for the Dolphins' culture. So it was unfortunate about that. But there's going to be a lot of weight on, on Devontae's uh, back, and people know about him now. Uh, he's probably going to see some double teams. 
and everybody else is going to have to step up. You know, even the the other guy who who opted out, Wilson. Um, I thought he was going to come back and maybe you know provide some spark for the team, but you know we're not going to have him this year. So you know, from a receiver core standpoint, uh, I think you know things are a little low. We do have Gizeki, who who I think is going to come out of his shell a little bit. We saw some flashes last year. Uh, he gained some confidence. So you know him and, and Fitzpatrick got a nice rapport. Um, so it'd be interesting, man. You, you never know what you're going to get with the team, man. Uh, I hope Coach Flores brings out the best in everyone. Um, that's what I'm kind of planning. I think we needed a strong coach like himself uh, who come from a great background. We worked with Bill Belichick for many years. Uh, he's building his own coaching staff and his own, and he really supports the player. You can tell he's a player's coach, you know, all the way, but he ain't taking no shit either. You know, excuse my language. He, I can tell he's, he's going to be tough on the guys. He's going to make them accountable. And I think that's just what this team needs, man. And I, I'm here to hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get over the hump here. We got to figure out a quarterback situation. You know, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick can kind of get, a, get us a couple wins here and there. But, you know, he's not going to be the, the main guy until Tua kind of gets in there and kind of does his thing. You did answer the, the, the next question I believe Savak was going to ask. Yeah, we'll let yeah. him go ahead. You, you touched on the Tua thing. Uh, I guess I'll just go with it. Uh, yeah. when, when do you see, when do you see Tua or do you see Tua coming in this, this season? I do. I do. Uh, based on like some of the reports and some of his development, you know, he's seems like he's doing some things, some good things. Uh, the team just want to be safe, which I totally understand. You know, Fitzpatrick is the, the perfect, we, we talked about this last year. He was a perfect guy to bring in a situation. You know, if you wanted to lose some games, if you wanted to win some games. Uh, he totally understood his role. He's understanding his role now. He's probably a good mentor. I've never met this guy, but the team seems like he, they really like his personality. He's a good mentor. He keeps things light. Um, you, know, he's, you know, he's not a real serious guy all the time, so he's like keeps things kind of fun. But, you know, when the game come on, he's a true competitor. Um, you know, so I'm hoping that, you know, some of that stuff rubs off on Tua and there's just a really good transition. I just, you know, if he's transitioned, that means we might not be winning. So it's just really tough to kind of tell, you know, which direction. But, you know, we know this is like a two, three-year kind of game plan. Uh, and I think if the overall team can just improve on their status from last year, I think everybody as Miami Dolphins fans will be satisfied as long as they go out there and be competitive. And that's one difference when we play guys back then. You knew that we were going to be competitive every single game. You knew it was going to come down to the fourth quarter. You knew we had players that was going to leave everything on the field, you know. And we had leaders, real leaders, like, JT, Zach, I mean, you can go down the line. These are real leaders. I don't really know if the Dolphins have a real leader or two, you know, like back then when I played that you can kind of go to. So I'm hoping some of these young guys kind of step up. And maybe it's not in, you know, Devontae Parker's, um, uh, you know, character to be like a rah-rah guy. I wasn't a rah-rah guy. I wasn't a guy who was out front. So, you know, until we identify that person besides the head coach, um, I think that will help the team out a little bit as well. Oh, very cool. So before we got we got to put you on the spot now a little bit yeah. because we have to ask every guest this question. What is your record prediction for the Dolphins in 2020? Uh, I'm going to go seven and nine popped in my head first. Okay. I know y'all don't want to hear that, but that was, that's what just popped in my head. <laughs> Seems to be a popular popular number with a lot of our guests. It is right yeah. around there and eight and eight. And, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm even. Nine and seven would be great. That would be a, a complete win. Would be able to, It's so fun to be able to know that you got a playoff chance like late in December. It is not fun when you know that three or four games left and you have no shot of making the playoff. That is hard to play. You know, you got to start thinking about, okay, 
I need a, a contract next year. I, I need to, to say, you know, you start thinking about things for next year and it really doesn't help. You got to find other things that motivate you besides, you know, winning games and actually, you know, making it to the playoffs. Because, I mean, playing in the playoffs is just an unbelievable experience. Um, knowing that you're only a few teams are out there playing at, the, at, at one time. And then if you start advancing yourself, now you're like, man, it's only four teams left. All the exposure is on you to make it happen. And, and that's when some of the greater players try to come out. So, you know, I hate that I didn't have my one playoff shot with, except my rookie year, which I, I set out because for an injury. Um, I didn't have a playoff shot with the Miami Dolphins. So that's one thing that I, I wish I would have ever brought to the team is, you know, be able to make a playoff and a deep a deep playoff uh, push and then, you know, a Super Bowl, but that didn't happen. Maybe I'll get in as a coach. Never know. You will. Uh, last question, Chris. Uh, we had O.J. McDuffie on the show not too long ago. Um, our other co-host is uh, Jason Sarney. He couldn't be there. He's at his kid's soccer practice. He really wanted to send in this question. Uh, yeah. Who who do you who would be the starting five on OJ's basketball court? Uh oh, there we go. This is this has always been a, a question for everybody. You got to pick OJ because this is his house, all right. And he actually got a pretty nice jumper. He got a really nice jumper. He had an NBA three pointer. This was no no college stuff or no high school stuff. We we had to really launch that thing if you wanted to make a three pointer. He was he was clutch from the corners for sure. So you got to bring OJ on there. Uh, you got to bring Jason Taylor because it's just his athleticism, his length. Uh, you definitely got to bring myself, uh, just, just what I do in my basketball, basketball background. And this is where it gets like very tough though. All right. Like the, the last two positions, cause you can go a bunch of different ways with that. There's a couple guys that I didn't play with that used to play. Uh, I think Todd Wade was one of them. I didn't never got a chance to see him play, but everybody has his, him on the list. Uh, you got Patrick Sertan, who's a great athlete himself. Uh, you know, he could do a lot of, a lot of great things. Uh, I would probably go with that five. I'm really feeling like I'm missing some some key guys. Uh, Robert Baker was really good. He I don't know if I remember him. He played for a couple years with the Dolphins. He, he didn't start. He didn't play a lot, but he used to come over and play some of the games with us and stuff like that. Uh, oh, 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 you know, OG was outstanding on the basketball court. He was fun to play with. Couldn't jump for nothing, but, you know, he, he, he was able to make some moves. He had, you know, one of the largest hands I've ever seen in my entire life. You guys ever seen that? Uh, so it's fun to play well. I probably get you like six people there, and I feel like I'm missing out on some guys. I need a list. Well, <laughs> well I'll have to hit up OJ today and, and see what his starting five is, and we'll compare it. Chris, yeah. thank you so much for your time. This was an absolute honor. Uh, fins up. And yeah. uh, Savaki, you have anything you want to close this out with? Uh, just that I got to go dig out my PS2 so I can throw NFL oh, Street 2 in, man. Oh, there we go. And start dropping these dimes on Chris Chambers again. <laughs> uh, there you go. That, that sounds good, man. I hope, hope that goes well. <laughs> uh, thanks, Chris. All right, fellas. Appreciate I appreciate it, man. It. Thanks for y'all's support. You guys had an outstanding show. And anytime you guys want me on, let me know. Maybe we can get, get together in the middle of the season and see how things go. Once I get a chance to watch the team and evaluate kind of our situation. That'd be great. Hey, y'all fans, follow the Fanatics podcast and check out the Fanatics Network on YouTube. And that, wow, what a, an honor. We got the opportunity to talk to legendary wide receiver Chris Chambers. Thanks again, Chris. But of course, now we got to pay the bills. So, of course, this episode brought to you in part by Manscaped. Uh, go on their, their website, manscaped.com, and use our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20% and get free shipping. That's Manscaped. Go in there, get yourself the Lawnmower 3.0. 
as I said, I've said before, and I will always say again, you can use it to shave whatever, trim your face, trim below the waist, trim your wife, trim your cat, doesn't matter. You can trim it all. Lawnmower 3.0, manscaped.com, promo code fins up. Brian, you going to get yourself one of those? Absolutely. I'm waiting for my package to uh, arrive in the mail. So we did the, the package pun again, but yeah, I can't wait to check it out. As I've said in the past, uh, I've had some Knicks, you know, and Knicks you don't want places. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that, that ball deodorant sounds really interesting too. And the um, toner, of course, Manscaped, yeah. your balls will thank you. <laughs> and uh, I, we got to talk about too what we got going on here at Fanatics Network. We have a really cool knockout slash survivor pool, however you want to call it. Um, it's you pick one team a week, one game a week. Uh, the winner, it's only a $25 entry fee. The winner's going to get 75% of all entry fees. They also get a Miami Dolphin Hall of Famer, Jason Taylor Graft piece of autographed memorabilia. You cannot go wrong. If you want to get in on that, follow us at Finn underscore Addicts. Uh, you can email us at info at Finn Addicts Network. Um, you know that you don't want to miss out it starts week two so we got to get get it in there soon we accept venmo and paypal for that 25 dollars. you can have multiple entries uh don't miss out on that um i'm pretty as, sure you just invented a word by the way jason taylor graft <laughs> there we go there we go that we, is the we, hashtag for this episode <laughs> i'll do a dan marino fuck it send it in you flub it just fuck it send it in so also you know make sure you follow us on youtube at at youtube.com backslash fanatics network and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna put out a giveaway today i have a Xavier howard signed card football card that we're going to give away how you're going to be eligible to win that is we want your reaction to tomorrow's game so after the game give our hotline a call 786-309-7558 you know react show show us that raw emotion of the win or the loss uh tell us who 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 dominated who screwed up we just want your reaction if you can't get it through a voicemail send us a video info at fanatics network or just tag us on on twitter at fin underscore addicts we'll throw that up on the uh, on the on the podcast tomorrow that we're going to film at six o'clock but out of all the submissions i will we will pick a winner at random and give away that Xavier howard uh football card uh what an honor today savak interviewing you know one of my favorite players that's ever done it chris chambers Thanks, thanks for uh, joining us, and as always, fins up. Fins up. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, available in the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today.